Welcome, everybody. We have a lovely conversation coming up today with Penny Kelly. And before we get going on it, I'd like to suggest if you haven't already seen my first conversation with her, you might want to do that. It's where we talk about the upcoming change for humanity that was given by the little men in brown robes. But before we even get going on this, I need to tell you, there was a hum going through the last interview, and it's happening again today. And Penny says she's sitting on a massive vortex and she hears humming all the time. So understand, this is just kind of unique to Penny's incredibly charged property. So without further ado, it's so good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> you know, I wanted to just go um, kind of tap into where we left off last time, you know, which has to do with kind of the breakdown of the financial structures um, and that we were going to have to see the dissolution of institutions and then the emergence of kind of family collectives in terms of commerce raising our children, education, and everything. Maybe give us a teensy little recap of that before we launch into the next phase. Um, yeah, there were, according to, well, not only what they said, but when we went ahead, we actually went into um, various time frames, and I got to see what was happening in the world at that point in time. And... Um, and at the time that I saw this, I was like, what? No, no way. No way. Um, it was just, there was no money like we know money, like we knew money. And um, it, it all seemed to be coming over this screen, which I thought was a television back then because um, this was the early 80s. And I think now that it was computer screens and, you know, and the money was digital and, you know, there weren't, nobody was using dollars um, hardly at all by 2020. And we spent a lot of time looking at 20, uh, the year 2000 to 2025. Um, so that was happening, and I could see there was quite a bit of chaos um, that really forced people to band together if they wanted to survive and share resources, and they did. They did beautifully at that. Um, and I saw a couple different uh, the stages of that, of that, um, I guess I'll call it a breakdown, um, and that resulted in everything being different. <laughs> the education system was all online. The medical system was all online. The political system was all online. Um, everything, everybody who, who quote unquote worked in the future was working online. The rest who were, everybody worked. I mean, it wasn't like we had jobs, but everybody worked. And you either were producing food, raising children, um, or doing research and putting stuff out over what they called the, the global network which, you know, back in 80, in 81, was like, what global network? <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're talking about, but um, it, it's obvious now it was the internet. And um, so that's kind of, you know, the, the big overview. So if you want to get into some details, we can do that. 
Well, we'll go ahead and pick up from there because, um, as you say, no taxes, no money, no institutions, that had really broken down. There were really, cities didn't look the same anymore in the future either. And there was this period in between the development, um, of the crashing of the old and the development of the new that was a really awkward phase that we're already seeing the beginnings of. And we talked about some of that, some of the hallmarks of that. And one of them was that back then they were starting to see that chaos would have children being shot in school and people setting off bombs in shopping areas. Now, this is before any of that actually happened. Maybe elaborate a little bit more on that kind of total break happens, which we're right now, by the way. Right, that's true. Um, there were actually quite a few um, school shootings and the whole goal of that of those shootings was to really get some rules against guns get gun laws going and etc cetera, etc cetera. but the long-term result was that nobody sent their children to school anymore the fact that um there were several interlocking pieces. When you get a paradigm working, all the pieces fit together and they nurture and support one another. So when it became, as part of the breakdown, it became clear that um, a lot of the information being taught in schools was great information for 100 years ago. It wasn't really relevant today that kids were paying an arm and a leg, a fortune for college educations, and then they would get out prepared for a job that would have been perfect 50 years ago, and there weren't any jobs. And then there were cracks in the history. That's where the whole breakdown of the, of the education system started was when it became clear that history had been jacked around pretty badly and that none of what we were taught was true and all the truth had been covered up or just kind of eliminated or pushed to the background so that nobody could really find it. And so that breakdown in the historical story or maybe we could call it a narrative today. That started the breakdown, and that led to a breakdown in science, and then it led to um, what I'm going to call a revelations, or people became very, very suspicious, ridiculously suspicious. <laughs> um, and so, you know, even when things were fairly good, people were like, no you know, get rid of it, etc. cetera. Um, and so there were breakdowns in the way the psychology, I'm going to call it educational psychology, that was being used in schools. And then there were uh, understandings. People began to understand, and this is actually something that, you know, I've been saying for a long time myself after seeing this, it was so obvious that... Um, most of the, what I'll call the mental programming and emotional programming of people started in school and kept them very shallow. They kept them referring to one another instead of, you know, leading to critical thinking, being able to take a whole bunch of facts 
and truths and uh, and I'm going to say paradoxical or competitive ideas and make sense out of that. People kept trying to get the one-size-fits-all answer, and that isn't the way the world works, and certainly that's not the way Mother Nature works. And so, you know, the education system came apart. People stopped sending their kids to school. Um, you know, all kinds of difficulties. I'm, I'm going to call it difficulties in having children were, were cropping up. By 2025, um, the very few who could have children were um, really treasured, and and then they were subjected to a whole bunch of, you know, are you ready for this? Do you know this? Can you handle that? You know, and all kinds of changes there. So um, there were a lot. There's a lot of of what I'm going to call daily living little daily living changes that add up to huge changes in the culture. And there comes a point, and we're almost there, um, 2020, 2021, um, and, and I think we're going to see a lot of it um, building up over the next couple of years where the 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds just kind of wash their hands. The political thing in Washington did not get any better. It didn't, it didn't smooth out. And so the 20-somethings and 30-somethings were like, we're done. We're done with that. We're not having anything to do with that. Um, and there were massive, uh, I'm going to say, refusals to pay taxes. And, and the IRS was struggling anyway. And so there came a day when nobody paid their taxes. And the government just kind of went, you know. Um, so lots of, of um, what I'm going to call new thinking amazing new thinking from our young ones coming up that said, we have a better way to do this. And, and they were not willing to participate in the old systems. And so there were a lot of people, I'm going to say in their 60s and 70s and above, who really struggled because they had not bothered to get involved with the computer I mean, cell phones do some of it, but they hadn't bothered to get on board with a computer thing. Um, and there was a point where I saw two points where the Internet went down, and the low men in brown robes said, if it goes down, bring it back up. Do whatever you have to do to bring it back up. Even if you only have to get it started in one area, get it back up and get it going. And, uh, and it did come back up. And, um, you know, and, and they said, this is your global brain that symbolizes the communication and the connection between all of you. So, um, and that's, and really that's already begun in terms of the Parkland shooting. And of course, the phenomenon of what's happening with these teenagers that are going around the country and campaigning. Um, we're at a time right now where a march is going to be happening, I think, tomorrow. So by the time people see this, it will have happened. And uh, right. all of the media rounds. And the thing that's impressive about them, um, one, one media uh, outlet, I think it was, I watched them, I think, on the Trevor Noah show, Daily Show, 
is there were they had six of them on a panel and they did not all have a common vision about what had to be done some were still programs some were not um one was you know a young african-american man that said absolutely no i don't want guns in the hands of the teacher but on the other hand they all agreed to peacefully share their message and not compete or fight with each other which is a heck of a lot more mature than the media is and the adult world is right now so we're starting to see that intelligence of the youth uh, really kick in and let's go ahead and, and talk about them when they come of age of procreation procreation on the planet is going to look very different yeah that's true um when you when we got out to um 2400 2400 most of the people of the of the u of not the u.s of the globe were really creamy skinned olive skinned people they were all shades of brown and I was really amazed by that. I saw my own self in the year 2413, and I had a very interesting name and very uh, looked like a mixture of a whole bunch of things. Um, and I thought that that was fascinating. The ability to have children is something that... Um, really comes under strict guidelines as we move over the next hundred years. And now that isn't going to affect maybe some people who are alive today, but the those guidelines were developed because so few of the people of the U.S., especially of the U.S. and the Western countries, were able to carry a healthy child to full term and have a healthy infant that didn't need special care and all kinds of hospitalization for the first, you know, year of their life or difficulties or whatever. Um, there was a whole effort to, um, I'm going to say, to to try to heal those with autism, and quite a few of those efforts were successful. But then once you, what I saw was once they redid the um, the frequency body, the energy body, which is what you have to do to heal the autism, then there had to be retraining to catch up with um, the thinking processes and certain permissions. And so it was a little bit remedial, but it was a lot better than, um, you know, one out of 60 people having autism and needing special housing and special food and special care and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's the autism movement, if I can call it that, is really the trigger for the awareness of we have to have better food we have to have better education. We have to have better medicine. And the whole vaccine thing um, does come under huge, huge obstacles. And a lot of, there were people who were killed over it. So it was, it was messy. We're, we're heading, headed into a messy time. And the young people um, 
very, very sensible. They have common sense in ways that I, this seems to be missing in some ways. So, um, you know, the, and I, I'll note this, and this is not meant as a, an insult to, you know, any particular group, but those people who came here um, from other countries, uh, and other civilizations that did not have quite as long a history of bad food, processed food, as we did. Um, they're actually the ones who are able to procreate, and that really affects the demographics of the future. That, so, yes. Yeah. That really makes sense because we're talking about people who've come from being close to the land, who are eating produce grown within their yes. region, who have maintained you know, the integrity of their DNA and their cellular health compared to what in your book looks like is an actual agenda um, by the corporations and from an outcropping of the industrial age to profit a handful yeah. of people to take right. down a really narrow chute into very poor eating habits and very poor health and corrupt DNA. So what you're saying makes absolute sense about what the demographic looks like in the future, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. In my book, Getting Well Again Naturally, I just list, you know, if you're one generation away from the soil, these are probably the physical um, things you're going to be dealing with two generations, three, four, five, six, and it gets worse as you go along. And um, you can't turn that around in one generation very easily. Two, yes. But, you know, we still have a ways to go. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're, we're struggling against a food system that has made it look like food is everywhere. And I remember saying to the rogues, what do you mean? What do you mean we're going to have massive starvation? And what I didn't realize at the time was that we are starving for nutrients for minerals, for enzymes, for aminos, and that, you know, we're not getting those things. And so that results in massive starvation. And the first signal that the body does when it's starving is it swells. It, everybody looks like a Pillsbury Doughboy. And that is, it's tragic. It's so. tragic and it's very real right now. We have uh, internal inflammation seems to be basically endemic to society. If you're over 20, 30 years old, you have internal inflammation, which is a direct outcrop of poor That's eating. It's lack of exercise, lack of sunshine. As you say, no natural vitamin and mineral uptake from the diet. Another thing they said is that people's digestive systems would begin essentially malfunctioning and collapsing and this is a big issue and i know you're really big on growing your own food and i'm about to plant my garden again and i think everybody else needs to pay attention to this wink wink so yeah let's talk about this whole notion of our digestive tract and what's going to be needed from our for our bodies because of our own food yeah um if you don't have a variety of things going in 
And, and when I say a variety, I mean like over 350, 375, 400 different kinds of food going in over the course of a year with all their enzymes and all of their what I'll call microbiome components and all of their aminos and minerals and their cofactors, then you're going to go down. And what happens as you go down is that the immune system begins to fail. And, you know, the first thing you get is, um, is depression. And now there's this whole move to define they're doing research around inflammation and saying depression is the result of inflammation. It's the first sign of inflammation. And it's, they're calling it sickness behavior. And, and I think that's right on. The, um, the body, as soon as it stops getting the things it needs and then starts taking in this whole load of things that are just chemicals or uh, poisons, outright poisons, then GMO stuff and, you know, the some people live in areas where they have awful chemtrails, really awful. Um, all of that stuff in the water has junk in it. And here's the thing about water. Water has a memory like an elephant. It never forgets what has been in it. And it doesn't forget because it carries the energy of that thing. And so the water becomes a homeopathic dose of whatever has been in that water. And that is just like, oh my, <laughs> you know, we, we won't even go there. Just use your imagination. <laughs> so um, the whole thing around food is absolutely critical. And there are some absolutely, I'm going to call it stunning, stunning developments that are happening now, trying to counter, you know, for every challenge that we set up, we have these people who respond and do so in a way that knocks your socks off. <laughs> so we have technology that is... Um, you know, this little rod-like thing, and you put it by your skin, and it just heals your tissue in, I think it's, um, I don't know if it's one second or one minute, but it, it's amazing. Um, there are other scientists, um, get a book called Your Third Brain, that's your gut. It's by Dr. Marco, I think his name is pronounced Ruggiero, Ruggiero. Um, it's on Amazon, Your Third Brain, and it is about um, getting the right mix of microbiota. And when you do that, it extends your lifetime to approximately 160 to 200 years of age. So that gives us the chance to have some wisdom, to apply some wisdom. We are dying now at, uh, we're still kids. We're still young. We and we're falling apart at 50 and 60, and now 30 and, and 35. And we should not be. We never get a chance to apply our wisdom. And so we have this whole political system that is run by immature kids playing cops and robbers and cowboys and Indians, and, and nothing is really serious. It's all a big movie to them, and it's crazy. 
It is. And when you look at it, it's not just lifespan, it's um, vitality. And while we're living, we're so exhausted. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, if you're eating a crappy diet, you're probably exhausted and have internal inflammation, which is affecting your yes. capacity to process. So we're That's right. to be involved in our own progress as well. Yeah. And so yeah. Talk about, let's talk about, um, before we get into, we're going to talk about the solutions that do happen and what life looks like in the future, which is really quite beautiful. But let's get into the notion of how families are created in the future. We've already talked about this, the genetic pool is going to be diverse and we're going to end up with kind of almondy eyes and beige skin. And I've read this in many other books. I've been told the same by my guides for the last 30 years. We do start blending bloodlines. And so yeah. very beautiful people also. And so let's look at the familial community structure of how a child is going to be brought into the world and how that child is raised in the future. Yeah. Um, in the future, we band together in groups, mostly for survival purposes. And, um, and so the, the decision to have a child, to add a, an individual to the family, is a family decision. It's not up to the individuals. Um, and nobody has babies by accident anymore. It's, it's just considered, that's considered like, you know, like we look back at the Wild West. So, you know, anything goes. Um, that's how we are seen in the future. But it comes down to it's a group decision. They decide they're going to have an individual. There's, in the future, there are groups that have amazing, in fact, almost every group has two or three, four or five amazing people that reach out and are very selective about who they invite back into physical life. And so there's this kind of an ongoing conversation about, um, you know, the individual consciousness and the body that's being created. And so an individual will get an invitation, will come back, will inhabit that body. The entire family group and these families families are anywhere from 200 to 2,000 people and they just nurture um, the individual who's pregnant and the what's called the biological father they, they nurture them endlessly because they don't want a single moment of feeling bad, feeling sick, feeling crabby, feeling overwhelmed to happen to that individual because it's transferred to the baby. The baby, you know, ends up feeling that. And even though there are some arguments in the future that say, no, we need a range of feeling and we need to be resilient, um, they end up saying, okay, we'll, we'll deliberately create that so that we have full control over how that child processes it or as much control as possible so anyway then the baby gets born and um oh wow they just they they do the whole birth thing very differently everybody in the family comes through and greets the child touches the child 
within a few hours of birth. And that's quite a, an exhausting process for the bigger families. The animals all get introduced to the child. The child gets laid on the earth. Certain rhythms are played. Certain plants are put up against the child because they, the people of the future know that those, each individual, each plant, each animal has certain frequencies that stabilize and um, the word would be call the consciousness of that individual into full operation. And, um, and those, those children of the future are fully awake, fully aware, um, you know, sitting up, making eye contact within a few hours and within 72 hours. And that was just, you know, when I compare that to what happened when I gave birth to my children, it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> big difference. Um, and a huge difference in terms of the development. Um, the Once a child is born, the family gathers around the individual. That mother is never without sleep. There's lots of mothers taking care of that child. And there'll be three or four that really connect. And everybody recognizes that connection and honors that. So the child belongs to the group, not the couple. And, um, and then the, the, in the process of raising that child, the first educational task is teaching that child to survive on the earth. You know, food, water animals, plants, how do you milk cows or goats or whatever. Um, we are beginning to move past food the way we've known it as all this is happening, but there's still plenty of food around. Some people are not having food anymore, very little food. Um, some people they're exploring. Basically, they're exploring. But then the, ch the child is um, kept at home, is educated in the family business, begins to work usually by the age of eight, um, and is stunningly adult by the time they're 12 and 13. Uh, if they have interests, if the child develops an interest in something that another family specializes in, they send that child away to that family after uh, quite a bit of very careful vetting. And so the families are connected. They know each other pretty well. Um, but each family has uh, usually a main business that they do. Um, they may, you know, be doing something medical. They may be doing some kind of research into consciousness. They may be doing something with metals, with... Um, they have these amazing manifestation chambers, that's what I call them, in which anything that needed to be manufactured was manufactured in these chambers by manipulating frequencies. When the frequency came together just right, a plasma would form in the middle, and then the plasma would solidify into physical matter, and then it would harden um, into physical physicality, and that, and so children, um, that's how they grew up. And the main focus was on developing the self. Education um, for the children, they spent maybe an hour a day in these lounge chairs with these goggles on, watching 
stuff that the you know educational material in which they would then be assigned certain projects that they had to um, like go out and do in a hands-on way they couldn't just look at information and they couldn't just read about it they had to produce using the information that they just learned so it was a totally different system and what totally the different yeah, and one of the things I found really interesting about it is they said even though these kids were pretty, they're on their way to self-sufficiency and, and able to interface with everyday life and reality and nature around them by the age of seven or eight, at the same time, they're never overly exposed to routine. That seems no. really big because that dampening effect. And in that way, it's very kind of a series of books called Anastasia explain a little bit of uh, a way of life similar to that. And oh. um, I, I think it's actually really critical. The Waldorf system, for example, of education is starting to move more in the direction of what the future is going to look like for us. That's right. That's right. Why expose that child to absolute utter boredom, which is what most school experience is. Most schools are just babysitting systems, and everybody contributes their taxes to that system. Now, I know I have a lot of really good teachers that I know, and they would, you know, they cringe when I say that. At the same time, when they're having their moments of you know, oh, we have to do something different. They're saying the same thing. You know, we want to be free to really develop the child, and they're not. So, no, no. And that's another reason. That's why people stop sending their kids as well. Not only is it dangerous, um, and the the physical uh, buildings are not very well taken care of at all physical the build the buildings kind of are disintegrating and and then there's the the failure to develop the consciousness so those are the three factors Jenny, this is a perfect time to take a little break in the conversation we're going to end part one of our second discussion here and there's so many beautiful things to look at in part two of this conversation so we're going to put that up next week so for now we'll say uh, goodbye and also please tell us where everybody can find the book um, you can get the book on Amazon it's just called robes a book of coming changes and if you want you can go to my website www.consciousnessonfire.com and um, get a download you can download the the book there so either place Penny, I want to thank you so much. And again, as I said before, I consider this to be one of the most important books out there. If I were going to take just a handful of books with me that are really instructive guides, what humanity's, what humanity's direction is, yours would be one of these books. So again, thank, thank you. you and everybody. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com. <laughs>